We are going through, the Lord willing, the book of 1 Peter, Peter's first letter written to believers that were scattered. Uh, The church was born in Jerusalem, and for eight years they lived glorious lives, persecution-free pretty much, and they lived communally, and they grew to several thousand people, and then persecution came, and they they had to get out of town. They had to flee. Uh, leave with few of their belongings, and people of all ages and statuses in life had to go and start over again somewhere else. And many of these people settled in northern Turkey. And uh, this letter is addressed to them, these people who were like refugees without the camps or the governmental help. People making it by living under persecution from the Roman Empire because the government... Uh, insisted that you worship the Caesars, and they refused to do that. And uh, they were persecuted because they were Jews as well as believers, and even the non-Jewish believers were persecuted and hated. And so they're starting over again in a strange land. Uh, Christ has risen from the dead about 38 to 40 years earlier. And the gospel is being spread, hallelujah, but saints are suffering. And so the theme of this book is suffering, and he's writing this letter to, to encourage them. And so we're going through this letter to find reasons to be encouraged, looking for encouraging truths to proclaim to ourselves and to others that no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what stage at you are in life, maybe you're having to start over again. Maybe you've lost it all, or maybe you've just grown and, and now you're attempting to make it on your own, or maybe you've gone through a divorce, or maybe you've fallen into some sort of addiction or you're trying to get control of some kind of sin that's trying to have you, or whatever is happening. Maybe you're sick, ill, or under attack, or unemployed, or confused. It's my prayer that this letter encourages you, as each week we will proclaim truth from the book that I believe is very encouraging. So today we are looking at verses 6 through 16. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, can we say little while? How long is that? I don't know. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of of Jesus Christ. So even while you're going through struggles, your faith is being tested and purified. Why are you a believer? When things go wrong, you find out the real reason why. Is it just because you thought God was Santa Claus? Or, you know, he's the daddy that always says yes, his promises are yes and amen. But sometimes they're not yes right now. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. As believers, we have the ability to rejoice even in the midst of sorrow. If you don't believe it, go to a funeral or a memorial service for a believer. And 
there is rejoicing, not for us, but for the one who's gone on. If you really want to see rejoicing, go to an African-American funeral where the deceased was a believer. There's some serious rejoicing there, and they had that in their culture. You don't see it in Africa, but you have it here in America because there was a stage in their life for centuries, the only hope of freedom they had was death. (laughs) So when somebody died, they really did rejoice. And so they really know how to have a funeral because our faith is based on future things. Amen? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope for heaven, but now I have the substance. I have faith for heaven in my heart. This gives me the ability to rejoice looking forward to the end of my faith when we won't need faith anymore when we're with him. Of this salvation, verse 10, the prophets have inquired, that is, the Old Testament prophets were looking for this day. They were seen through a glass darkly. They were seeing here a little and there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept, the promise of redemption that was coming to the human race, and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Now that we live in New Testament times, we have been given God's grace. The law has been fulfilled. We now live under the rule and reign of a ruler rather than a list of rules. The ruler's name is Jesus Christ, and he does have rules, but they deal with our hearts. And as our hearts are transformed, we live lives that are in alignment with his will. Searching, verse 11, what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them, was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. An example of two of these prophetic utterances that were written in the Bible is Isaiah 53 and also Psalm 22. Details about his suffering and yet the glories that would follow. At the end of the suffering of Psalm 22 comes Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall He blesses me in all kinds of ways because he paid the price for my sin by fulfilling Psalm 22. Verse 12, to them, who's the them? The Old Testament prophets. It was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering. The things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. The Greek word he used there literally means, literally, the angels bend over to try to see this glorious gospel we have been given, this amazing, beautiful picture of redemption. Therefore, verse 13, when you see the word therefore, you want to see what it's there for. Based on what I've said, the fact you can rejoice in the midst of hard times, the fact that we have received something that was prophesied about for centuries, things that even angels bend over to look at. Therefore, the following is to be observed. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now here's application. What in the world does it mean to gird up the loins of your mind? Well, it's a metaphor. It means tighten your belt and get ready for battle. In the Middle East, they still wear loose clothing. I like to wear loose clothing. It's, it's cooler. But if you're going to battle, you've got to get your act together. You don't want to trip over your skirts, ladies. You know, and, 
And so a soldier would, you know, if they wore a robe, they would tie it in a knot or tuck it in their belt, some, somehow get it out of their way so that they can move. I even heard of soldiers that, you know, if they wore a long kind of a skirt for covering, they would bend over, pull it up, and tuck it in their belt. Now they're ready. Their skirt has become breeches, ready to battle. So therefore, because of what I've said, get ready for battle and rest your hope fully. Can we say fully? Upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming or fashioning yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Ooh, that sounds kind of strong, but it simply means the way we used to live, we didn't know any better. Uh, the basic Bible translation says, Like children ruled by God, do not go back to the old desires of the time when you were without knowledge. The God's Word translation says, Because you are children who obey God, don't live the kind of lives you once lived. Once you lived to satisfy your desires because you didn't know any better. The things we want rule and reign in our life. And as godly people, it's God's desires that are to rule and reign in our life. The message paraphrase, uh, I don't always agree with the way the message reads, so I don't recommend it, but it does shed some light on various phrases. And here he said, uh, the writer of the message, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Don't go back to your old addictions. Doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then. You do now. So as obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all, can we say all, all your conduct. The King James Version says conversation. So everything we do and say is to reflect this holiness of the one who's called us. Peter began this chapter by talking, our, talking about our being chosen. He is holy. He is set apart. There is none like him. Holiness is a is an adjective. It's also a superlative adjective. Uh, he is holy, holy, holy. There's none as holy as him. There's none greater than him. He is set apart. And he has set us apart. He has made us holy. Uh, this is a big word. Sanctification means to be made holy, made to be set apart. Uh, if you have fancy dishes at your house, you don't just put those out for any old day or, you know, for Junior Brown who's just learning how to eat with his plastic fork as he throws your china cup across the room. No, you set those things apart for a special day. They are made holy for a special day. And so the Lord here has called us and he is holy and we are also to be holy in all that we do and say. The word be there literally means to become. So it's not just, I'm going to be holy, now I'm holy. No, it's something we grow in. He is the one doing it. He, Paul wrote in another place, he is at work in us to will and to do, 
First comes the willingness, then comes the doing. His good pleasure. So he's made us holy. Our righteousness has been totally imputed. All right? But our lives don't always reflect that. You ever been embarrassed by the behavior of some so-called Christians? If they truly are Christian, they've been imputed with righteousness, but their lives don't reflect that. Example, if you adopt a child, that child may be very immature, but you give that child your name, you have imputed their position of being the child to them, even though their life may be one that needs some correction. Same thing with your natural children. You love them. You impute them with righteousness if you're a good parent, even though they're not revealing it. So it is with God. He imputes us. He credits us with righteousness. Now, a lot of people understand that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. A sin is a debt. A sin is a, sin is a form of indebtedness. Because I've done wrong, someone must pay you got to go to jail. you got to pay, go, pay a fine or whatever. Well, in God's holiness and his perfections, when we violate things he desires for our life, that is called sin. But he has made a way for us to be forgiven and the price to be paid through the death of his son on the cross. So our indebtedness has been erased. It's great to be debt-free, isn't it? But he didn't stop there. On top of that, that balance that was, you know, who knows how big our balance of indebtedness was. Now it's gone. Now the books are balanced. We are at zero. That's great. But God didn't stop there. He credited us or imputed us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because you're forgiven, you're my child, I've adopted you, I declare perfection over you. It may, ridic- may look ridiculous to us. What, I'm righteous? Ooh, man, did you see me yesterday? But... He did it anyway to inspire us to begin to take what he said seriously. And as we begin to believe what he says about life, about himself, and about us, it transforms our thinking and we'll look back and, hey, I'm not the same guy I was yesterday. I'm actually growing spiritually. You're growing into your righteousness clothes. It's beautiful. As he called you as holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. The Message Bible says, let yourself be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. Now, I grew up in churches that preached on holiness a lot. Be ye holy because I am holy. And they reduced the holiness of God, even though they thought they were honoring it, by by creating man-made rules. If you want to be holy, you can't watch TV, you can't go to the movies, you can't wear lipstick or grow a beard. You're being holy. And they, they, they wrote up these rules in this man-made manual and declared them as standards of holiness. These are minimum standards. Hopefully you will go beyond this. But the problem with standards of holiness that affect our behavior, our dress, and and, uh, our outward living, they don't change our hearts. Well, if the inside's right, the outside will be right. That is a lie. You can make the outside look right all you want. The inside can be rotten to the core. If you don't believe it, look at Congress. Don't those people look great?
because, verse 16, it is written, be holy or become holy, for I am, that's God's name, I am holy. The English Standard Version is a great translation. It says, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. When God speaks, it comes into being. He said, let there be, and it became. Let there be light, and there was light. Right? So, holiness be, for I am holy. We have been predestined, Romans 8 says, we have been predestined. In advance, God chose us and set us on a path to be conformed to the image of Jesus. may not look like it, but by faith you can begin to see what God is doing. Can someone slip in the kitchen and ask them to conform their volume to the image of Jesus? <laughs> They're in there cooking for the rest of us, so be nice. Be holy, for I am holy. Let's speak. Let us pray. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to glean what you would have us to glean from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Strengthening truth for stormy times. Today we're looking in depth at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. In other words, don't. Don't be drunk. Don't alter your mind with stuff. Your mind is a blessing. Use it. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The CEB version says, Therefore, once you have your minds ready for action and you are thinking clearly, place your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The complete Jewish Bible says, Therefore, get your minds ready for work. Keep yourselves under control and fix your hopes fully on the gift you will receive when Yeshua the Messiah is revealed. Good, the Good News Translation says, So then, have your minds ready for action. Keep alert and set your hopes completely on the blessing which will be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The God's Word translation reads, Your minds must be clear and ready for action. We say ready. Place your confidence completely in what God's kindness will bring you when Jesus is revealed. The New Century Version says, So prepare your minds for service and have self-control. All your hope should be for the gift of grace that will be yours when the Lord is revealed. The Message Bible says, So roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. So the returning of the Lord is a motivating factor in our life of getting a hold of our minds. Today we're going to speak on the subject entitled, We Have Minds, Let's Use Them keeping in mind that this is written to believers that are suffering. And in the midst of their suffering, they no doubt have thoughts that are disturbing. Distressing things will come through your mind 
And he's telling them to get a hold of their mind. The mind is an amazing thing. Watch this. The most amazing facts about the human brain. The human brain is, surprisingly, the fattest organ in the body, comprised of approximately 60% fat and weighing in at about 3 pounds. Neurons. The brain contains approximately 100 billion neurons that can send information at speeds of up to 270 miles per hour, quicker than the Hennessy's NMGT, the world's fastest streetcar. Pain. The human brain itself doesn't have pain receptors and therefore cannot feel any pain, making it possible for doctors to perform brain surgery on patients who are awake. Thoughts. The average person is believed to have around 70,000 thoughts a day. Meanwhile, excessive thinking has been linked to stress, depression and paranoia. Neuroplasticity. Many people may not realize that the brain actually changes physically, much like the way a muscle grows according to the daily demands of our lives. The more often you do something, the brain will change its pathways in order to maximize its efficiency. Like widening a highway to allow more traffic to flow, this is how practice makes perfect. The power of the imagination. It has been scientifically documented that the nervous system does not know the difference between reality and imagination and will react as though it were really happening. For example, you may imagine yourself hanging off the edge of a building and your palms will begin to sweat. The best athletes in the world know this secret and practice visualization techniques. Amazing facts about the human brain. There are numerous adjectives that can define or modify understanding of the mind. A mind can be called good, sick, Mind can be called something that you've lost. It can be pure or dirty, open, small, clean, sober, broad, single, empty, sound, willing, closed, narrow, hungry, trained, twisted, working, creative, tortured, guarded, impaired, focused, inquiring, troubled, awakened, distracted, depressed, distressed, or disciplined, Suspicious minds, dysfunctional, an understanding mind. We can pursue peace of mind. We can have a made-up mind. Everyone has a frame of mind, but we can have a change of mind. And we're told that a good mind is a terrible thing to waste. And even the word mindless relates to this subject. So today we're talking about minds. We have minds. Let's use them. Even though we may be in northern Turkey having to start over again and in danger of being killed, persecuted, and tortured, misunderstood, and estranged from our families, not knowing where they are, and there's no modern technology to help fix that problem like we have today, they had minds to use. They needed to get a hold of their thinking. Our minds are important to God. We say important. Some churches, you go to them, it's almost like they should have a sign on the door, leave your brains here. We're fixing to have church, so leave your brains at the door. Not so with God. Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, this occurred two other places in the Gospels as well, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all 
your mind. Can we say mind? Our minds can be blinded. The mind isn't the problem with the Lord. Sometimes it's the condition of the mind that's the problem. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4 says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God, should shine on them. So, it was with us. Before we were able to hear the gospel, we thought we were seeing 2020. We thought we had it going on. We thought we knew all that life was about. But our minds were blinded by the God of this age. Our minds can be defiled, can be made sick or ill or just corrupted. To the pure, Colossians 1.15, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. How is this an encouraging truth for troubled times, Pastor? Well, recognizing this fact propels us onward to the rest of the sermon. So now seven more things. Our minds can be reconciled. Hallelujah. No longer defiled, but we can be reconciled. Colossians 1.21, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled through his work on the cross. Jesus did that for us. We are reconciled with God, so now our prayers are heard. Now we have... Now we have a clear channel to heaven. But it's not for us to sit back and say, well, I'm reconciled, too bad for you. No, we are reconciled to reconcile. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. While our thinking is being straightened out, we are called to help other people get their thinking straightened out. Because it's our thinking that keep us living in division with each other or living under the cloud of depression or believing Lies that impair our lives. Our minds need to be reset. Can we say reset? Wish I had a reset button up here. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. If you just live for worldly things, you just live for your body, your mind is going to focus on that. What we focus our minds on is where our lives are heading. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, the mind is set on the things of the Spirit, no longer on the things of the flesh. So it's reset. Even though you may be reconciled with God, your mind has to be changed, which is what repentance means. Did you know that? Repentance literally means to change your mind, to change your thinking about this sin. You turn from that way of living to his way. For to be carnally minded, that is fleshly minded, that is lustfully minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Colossians 3.2, Paul told the church in Colossae, set your mind on things above. Before becoming a believer, our minds were on things below, on me 
on today, on the past, how things could have been better, and on the future, but nothing to do with God. We're to reset our minds on the Lord. Our minds need to be renewed. Romans 12, well-known passage, I beseech you, or I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, that is, set apart for his service, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. The Phillips translation says, don't let the world pour you into its mold. The world in which we live has values, and they will shame whoever doesn't accept their values. He says, don't let that be an influence in your life. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to get rid of the stinking thinking. Let your mind be lined up with God's word, renewing, a changing, a resetting, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4:23 says, "And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The way we think is important. Now, this doesn't mean we're not to think. Some people think my mind is renewed, therefore I'm going to stop thinking. No, we think more than ever now. You hear somebody say something's in the Word, make sure it is. Because there's all kinds of nonsense going on, especially on, well, we won't go there. (laughs) Started to say Christian TV, but I didn't. Our minds need to be humbled. This is probably our biggest problem is pride. I think I see things the way they are. I think I see things 360 degrees, and I'm accurate in all my opinions, bless God, and I am a great person. Well, the Bible says we need to humble our minds. Revelation, Romans 12:16 says, Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Understand, we all have lots to learn. Philippians 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness. Can we say lowliness? Lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Ooh. we got some room to grow, don't we? I'm to esteem the person I'm tempted to not stand as being better than me. You know, God loves a person we can't stand as much as he loves us. Let this mind, verse 5 goes on to say, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say how he left glory and came into our gory. From the throne to the groan. From majesty to travesty. (laughs) From being God to becoming human and from being human to becoming a servant and from being a servant to becoming a falsely accused person and from being a falsely accused person to taking the position of a criminal and from the position of a criminal becoming dead and from being dead going into Hades. Hallelujah. Resurrection happened three days later and he's been given a name that is above every name. But he 
he set us an example that the mentality, the frame of mind he had of humility, just keep humbling yourself. I already humbled myself. I've had just about enough. I'm going to open up a can on somebody today. Well, you humbled yourself. Now humble yourself again. This is how you do it. Boom, 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 boom. This is how you do it. Humble yourself. Humiliation comes before exaltation. I have been so humiliated many times, not from humbling myself, but from pride. Pride comes before a, it'll bring you down. Our minds need to be unified. We say unity. The way we think is important, and considering one another is important, and helping one another to think straight. This is why... You don't want to be judgmental, but this is why you have to speak up when someone's thinking is wrong. You do it, you speak the truth in love. You do it in a spirit of gentleness, lest you yourself get caught up in the same. Romans 15, may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. Can we say one another? According to Christ Jesus. The New Testament has dozens of instructions on how we're to treat one another. Verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is why it's important for us to assemble together to make sure we're thinking straight. This me and Jesus got my own thing going thing doesn't cut it, really. How can you walk in unity with other believers when you never spend any time with them? How can you do it when Sunday morning is the only time you're with believers? We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together to encourage each other to move forward with our life. And if you're going through discouragement, why, why retreat and go into a hole somewhere and just be by yourself? How's that going to change things? Maybe you need to sleep, but once you've got your rest, get up and go find somebody and say, I need some help. My thinking is all twisted up here. Be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He blesses unity. Philippians 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord. Can we say one? Of one mind. So what kind, of God, what kind of car does God like? A Honda. One accord. Sorry about that. Psalm 133 says how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing. Who wants to live under God's commanded blessing? You don't have to buy some preacher's 10-point formula on how to be blessed. You don't have to stir up somebody's recipe for being blessed. You don't have to sow a seed to be blessed. The seed was sown in Jesus so that we can be blessed. But he commands his blessing where we walk in unity. If we're being contentious, being divisive, being argumentative, how is that being in unity? God commands the blessing 
wherever his will is done. And it's his will. Jesus prayed it in John 17. Father, make them one as you and I are one. It's God's will that we be one. Now, that's unity with diversity. Uh, doesn't mean if somebody's wrong about something that they're not to be spoken to about it. But they need to know they are loved right like they are. And we impute righteousness to one another. That's a whole other subject. Jesus loved us like we are and received us like we are, right? And propelled us onward. And so we've had X amount of time to grow to where we are. Why do we insist that everybody come here? In reality, we grow like this. Humility. Why do we insist everybody's as humble as we are? Watch out. If you write a book called Humility and How I've Attained It, you've already lost it. Our minds need to be focused. Can we say focus? You need to be focused. And here is a real way to do it. It's through prayer. Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul wrote, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. When you pray, your mind focuses on your needs. And when you give thanks, your mind focuses on needs that have been met and are going to be met. Let your request be made known to God. If you do this, here's the result. And the God of peace, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. There's the guarded mind we need through Christ Jesus. Our mind is focused when we pray. Now I'm going to show you three pictures and look at all three of them then tell me one word that defines the three pictures. Multitasking. Anybody else get that? Stanford University did a study. Uh, to discover what gave multitaskers their gifts, their ability to specially focus on so many things. And they were surprised to discover that in many ways, multitasking impairs performance. So in the school paper, this article was entitled, Attention, Multitaskers. If you pay attention, that is, your brain may be in trouble, unquote. For instance... Multitaskers are suckers for distraction and irrelevancy. Everything distracts them. Multitaskers are often the more unorganized people in their ability to keep and retrieve information. Heavy multitaskers underperformed in almost every area of the study. The article concluded with this advice. By doing less, you accomplish more. Focus our minds. Our minds need to meditate. The Bible tells us how. Do not let the world steal meditation from us. Philippians 4, verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, can we say true? Whatever things are noble, can we say noble? Whatever things are just, can we say just? Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, can we say good? good. 
If there is any virtue, can we say virtue. And if there's anything praiseworthy, can we say worthy of praise? Meditate, can we say meditate, on these things. Many times our mind is on lies. Can't believe somebody said that about me. Injustice. Can't believe that's going on. Impure thoughts. Ugliness. And bad reports. Those are things we're not to think about. I'm not saying we're to live you know, like Pollyanna in a dream world, we live in the real world, but what are you focusing your mind on? What are you allowing to take up residence in your life? Those things have an impact on your attitude, have an impact on your health, will have an impact on your relationships, an impact on your career, an impact on your walk with God. You won't enjoy it because of the things that are taking up residence between your ears. Yeah, but you don't understand. We're up here in northern Turkey having to start all all over again. Well, you want to make it worse, Peter would say in my imaginary conversation, then keep doing what you're doing. Otherwise, it's time to gird up the loins of your mind. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, Paul said. And the God of peace, can we say peace, will be with you. Now, you know what? The God of peace is already with us, but you don't enjoy it. You don't experience it. It's not made real in your life because of the things you meditate on. Now, don't sell out to the world's imitation on meditation. The media in the world will tell you to find a quiet place. That's good. Check. Get by yourself. That's good. Check. Uh, Get the clutter out of your mind. That's good. Check. Now think about nothing, not checking that box. And if you have to think of something, then think of one syllable. Hello? When you come out of that, you're probably going to go right back to the stinking thinking that you had. Need a checkup from the neck up, Zig Ziglar said. We have minds. Let's use them for our benefit. Many times, the most brilliant people are able to think of a thousand reasons to be unhappy. And you know what? They exercise every cell of their brain to do that. You're going to live with the consequences of your thought life. Let's gird up the loins of our mind. It's interesting that he used the word loins. I know, obviously, the skirt would cover the loins, but... The loins is where, we're adults in here, is where fruitfulness comes from. Reproduction. Procreative power from the loins of our mind. There's creativity in your mind. There's witty inventions in your mind. There's things yet to be discovered, maybe a scientific breakthrough in your mind if you let the chains be broken off and the grooves be rerouted. The brain is programmable. It's like plastic. It can be molded. And so we've got neural pathways made to 
things that make us angry, things that make us upset, things that make us depressed. And so our mind is used to running in those circles. But you've got a whole lot of other gray matter that can be used for good things. And you can make new grooves, a new highway in our thoughts. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray that no matter what anyone is going through, that they would understand that our mind has been given to us for us and that we need to allow our spirit and not our flesh to dominate our thinking. So, Lord, help us to recognize that no matter what we're going through, our mind doesn't have to do what it's been doing. Help us to pick up our weapons and fight. Put on the helmet of salvation, which is the hope of salvation for a helmet, the Word says. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. If anyone here is hurting, help them, Lord, to reach out to someone to say, hey, my, my thinking needs to be addressed here. I need some new thoughts. And, Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us where we need it, where some of our thinking has started so that we can see the truth. In Jesus' name, Lord, if anyone here is believing any kind of lie, I pray, Lord, you would bring the light of truth to expose that lie or cluster of lies that would cause us to not arise to the potential that you've given us, yes, even in the midst of being strangers in a strange land if it happens to us, under intense persecution if, should that, if that should ever happen to us. Lord, help us to embrace your word and, and discover all that it says about Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs says, Wisdom is the principal thing. With all you're getting, get wisdom and understanding. What are you reading? What are you feeding your mind upon? What are you listening to? What are you watching you got to be careful because you're responsible for this mind be careful with this thing and use it for the glory of God and for your own benefit stop beating yourself up repent receive God's forgiveness by faith stand up and find somebody to encourage and if you need help in doing that, there's plenty of people here in this room that will help you. Let's stand. Are you hungry yet? Delicious, crisp tacos. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord God Almighty cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. His shalom peace, the wholeness that comes from being in relationship with Him. And may your mind be guarded from what has been granted entrance into it in the past. May it be guarded where we think thoughts based on our mind being set, reset on things above. In Jesus' name, God bless you.